0: You're listening to Rock Solid People, a podcast by Max
1: King. The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph.
0: Welcome to Rock Solid People, a podcast where I, Max King, the CEO of OzCare Support, interview amazing individuals in the disability space. And today I'm very pleased to have with me uh, Peter Scott, the CEO and founder of Mabel. Welcome
1: to the podcast, Peter. Thanks, Max. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And so, for those of you, for those of us who don't know, I mean, obviously, I guess as a caveat, as a full admission, OzCare Support do have a relationship with Mabel. We have a commercial relationship, so I, I wanted that to be very clear. But for those of those who don't know about Mabel. Peter, I think we owe your parents a debt of gratitude. That's uh, that's what's coming out of this. Uh, the creation of Mabel was as a result of uh, an experience that you had in trying to source support workers for your parents. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, the origins of Mabel really start back in 2013 and, and with my parents in uh, country New South Wales in Wagga. You know, dad being uh, in his 90s and frail, and mum being in her mid-80s with dementia and You know, like most older people wanting to remain living at home, and the experience in terms of support that came with that through larger providers was a rostered workforce that was turning up, you know, on different days of the week, really to help mum get ready in the mornings. And often it was not a familiar face that would turn up, but it was somebody new. And the dad, he he really liked his privacy, and obviously for mum with dementia, you know, that certainty was really important. That familiarity, you know, when you have dementia, and so that was problematic for them, and they were saying to to, you know, the kids when I'd go home to see them, that we we really don't need these strangers in our life. Can you leave us alone? And that was the realisation then that, you know, people like my parents, it wasn't about choosing a provider that was going to roster people to do tasks. It was about choosing people. So the vision for Mabel was a platform that would connect people with people in local communities around Australia. And if we could make those connections in really transparent ways and, and with safeguards in place, then that would be super empowering for people like my parents, but also for the people that were providing support, and it could really deliver uh, much better outcomes to everyone involved.
0: Wow. Well, that's, that's yeah, that's great. And, and actually, it's one of the interesting facts of uh, that I've come across since I've been in this space, the reliability of that rostered staff from the larger providers is often in question. I think, you know, there, there, there is, uh, I don't know, this is me just spitballing here a little bit with you, Peter, but has there been any concept around the reliability of Mabel versus the engagement of those big providers. I'd, I'd be interested to see how much more reliable workers from the platform are than, than if they're from the from the larger providers. I, I don't know if you've got any any thoughts or evidence on that?
1: Yeah, look, I think it's one of the concerns people often have when they start to move into a new model is what happens if the people I'm engaging directly can't turn up on a particular uh, date. And, and that's obviously a reasonable concern to have, You know, notwithstanding the fact that traditional provider models have often struggled to guarantee that they'll have somebody turn up because you know there, there is often a, a shortage of workforce in the sector and and they're not able to guarantee service delivery but what we've found is you know mabel's really about enabling small business to come into the sector small business including sole traders and when it's your own business you have to take a lot of care and responsibility for your clients in order to have a business so we find people rise to that challenge and and they take that responsibility quite seriously so what we say to to people engaging support by the platform is always have a team, so you have redundancy within your team, but we're also saying to those independent service providers, you know, you need to have other people you work with that your clients are familiar with, that if you can't turn up for any particular reason, you've actually thought about you know, how I might solve that problem myself. And then, obviously, Mabel over time has come up with additional solutions, so we've launched Mabel last minute, where if you did find that you needed support on a short notice because somebody in your team wasn't available, you know, then you could find somebody quite quickly through Maybe Last Minute. But the actual other benefit of Maybe Last Minute is is people aren't forced to live these rostered lives anymore, that they could actually do things spontaneously and decide, oh, somebody's invited me to dinner tonight. Can I get the support tonight to go? Uh, I have a medical appointment tomorrow. Can I find the support at the last minute? So it's really about adding a lot of flexibility so people can live you know, ordinary lives and, and be able to do things spontaneously as well and not just be reliant on when I've got my support worker rostered for this week. And that that's one of the real benefits of of connecting people directly and allowing them to form a relationship together in, in you know, local communities and services that are quite personal to people is, is you allow flexibility on both sides for the support provider and the person seeking support. So it actually allows support to much more fit in with people's lifestyle and the
0: other way around. And, and I, I think we are fully aware of this, but uh, it also means that there's a financial incentive. We, we know that providers have to make their clip on any, uh, on any engaged support workers, whereas the Mabel model is a much more efficient one, I believe. And so it enables people to, to earn more by doing the same task or the same role or the same job than if it was traditionally on a, on a provider engaged uh, in providing support staff.
1: Yeah, no, that's right. I think one of the the benefits of enabling again, small business to come into this sector is, you know, small businesses sort of operate locally, they're part of their community, they're much more flexible and responsive to their clients' needs, but also they operate with lower overheads, right? So, they typically have a business that they can run at lower costs. So, they set their own rates on Mabel, taking into account those lower overheads. And Mabel as a platform is, again, lowering the overhead of people coming to the sector. It's really, for small business, it actually is, it is a marketing channel at, at Bring safeguards to the table. It helps them administer their payments and invoicing process and record keeping. So Mabel as a platform is really encouraging a whole diverse set of new people to come into the sector that are attracted by, you know, the ability to work on their terms and to have a a lower cost structure, which means that they can earn more ultimately, and the person needing support gets more hours of service.
0: Yeah, and this is not a not a a scheduled question, but if if I was to come to the Mabel platform and hadn't got any experience, is there, a, and I've read recently, a learning hub, is, there a, is that a way of uh, facilitating, I guess, training or development of an individual that hasn't previously had the experience in the, in the industry?
1: Yeah, so I think one of the things that the NDIS is, is really trying to encourage and, and to create awareness around is the fact that support looks quite different under the NDIS than the way it might have looked previously. So people with a disability have described it to me as, you know, I used to get support to live, now I get support to live a life. And the sorts of support I need is quite diverse. And so it opens up opportunities for people in communities everywhere to come into the sector to provide, you know, support to other people. And some of that support may be, you know, services at a more entry level. In fact, when you're trying to live an ordinary life, you can benefit from all sorts of life experience that people have around living independently, personal grooming, travel training, et cetera. So people can come into the sector without necessary qualification but what they can do through the learning hub is they get foundations in, in the disability sector, foundations in aged care, foundations in running their own small business. They can upskill in a whole lot of areas around, you know, understanding of autism or working with people with dementia. And then if they really love what they're doing, this is ultimately what we're trying to do is bring people into the sector that love what they're doing and give them a pathway to not only professional development but credential learning opportunities. So yeah. I go and, and get a micro skill that allows me to offer personal care uh, and then grow my services over time so i can sort of earn and learn in the sector
0: yeah yeah and as you say it may be that you you find your niche in a, in an area that you didn't expect to and, and and i guess one of the things that i saw quite quickly on the Mabel platform that i was always keen to explore more of was that as you said the niche idea there so that conceptually you know you can find someone lgbtqi friendly who likes pets and wants to go to the footy on a Friday, you know, that sort of nuanced stuff that previously you might find one of those and now you can sort of tick all the boxes of things that you want, particularly for those people in in those minorities, whether it be a cultural linguistic one or whether it be, you know, as I say, LGBTQI, something that was previously kind of, I guess, unexplored from a support perspective.
1: Yeah. No, I think the the reality is to do that well, you've got to bring large numbers of people together, right, and connect them locally because everyone's an individual. Everyone has, you know, personal preferences and and needs and interests. And that's true for both the person that needs support and the person offering support. So if we're really talking about relationship-based, you know, care and support, then genuine relationships form, you know, from people that have mutual choice, that have respect for each other, that have common interests, that like each other. And so through giving... The power of choice to both parties—you're much more likely to have genuine relationships emerge, and that's what I think is important in the platform. So people, you know, can find people within their community to connect with. It's encouraging people from communities everywhere to come into the sector. So I think it's a, a, a really powerful concept. And as the NDS moves from sort of that enrollment phase to trying to drive uh, outcomes and more inclusion. Then the diversity of people that are needed and the the relationships that need to form in the sector become more and more important. And so I think the the potential for Mabel to make a difference. I think we're only in the start of that journey.
0: And uh, and speaking of that, I mean I, the the next question I have for you is challenges. I mean you you've had to overcome a few of them, and uh, I was just keen to to understand how how do you keep coming back to to overcome the challenges that you must have faced.
1: Yeah, look, I I think it's. You know, if you're doing something innovative, if you're trying to bring a new concept to bear, then there are a lot of challenges. And, you know, one of them is just, you know, the whole education challenge around with people seeking support and people that are willing to offer support and communities everywhere getting to understand, you know, the NDS is actually offering you uh, an opportunity to think differently and platforms like Mabel are trying to unlock that for you. You know, that's a a journey. It's going to take uh, some time for people to, you know, understand what they want to do differently. And certainly for Mabel, we've focused on trying to make it really simple to use and engage with, but obviously, it's quite a complex uh, undertaking. So, you know, we, we need to attract all sorts of um, talented people across engineering and product and data and marketing and community engagement, uh, operations. You need to bring all of these people with amazing commercial experiences, but have them come all into Mabel attracted through our purpose and our vision. And, you know, hopefully out of that mix of people and being really focused on putting uh, our community at the centre of everything we do and listening to them and trying to understand what their priorities are and what their needs are, you hope you can continually build a product that delivers more and more uh, value to people. And and that's obviously an ongoing challenge. Let's say the other thing that, you know, for Mabel is, you know, we, we, we're going from startup to scale-up. So, yeah. again, you know, that's, a very different challenge for the founders. You know, when we start, we're hands-on everywhere. We're in contact with everyone that works in the organization. We're able to translate the vision on a day-to-day basis. But when you're, you know, well over 100 people going to 200 people, you know, you, you've got to actually lead the company in a different way and really try and be much more involved in in the strategy and getting alignment and connecting people to our purpose and and trying to continue to have talent come into the business
0: and not but at the same time not uh, not sort of be removed from the front line so that you're uh, you know you're in your ivory tower and you're not you know you're not in touch with what's happening on
1: the ground. Yeah, and they've got to keep a really flat organization and and bring your community into the the business all the time, right? As you grow in terms of scale, you've got to constantly be working very closely and listening very closely to your community because really Mabel's one big co-design project and So I think that's one thing that we are all committed to in the company is staying close to our community, listening, asking, observing, and trying to really build solutions that uh, matter to people.
0: Yeah, and actually, that's one of the questions I had for you. Is, you know, how has the Mabel Marketplace developed to meet the needs of participants? I, I'm sure it's slightly d- different to the original vision that you had, or, or albeit that it's nuanced rather than necessarily a fundamental shift. But the development of the Mabel Marketplace, what how, what would you say are the key sort of, you know, I guess community-driven you know, developments?
1: Yeah, look, it's a it's a um, a really good question, right? We we have design teams that are you know, constantly working with our community. We have community engagement teams that are constantly talking to our community. We have a team of people on the phones that are constantly talking to our community. And so, you know, you're constantly trying to develop insights from all of this feedback and, and qualitative information that's coming into the, the company. And, you know, you start to realize the sorts of things that are important. So I gave you that example earlier where we developed, you know, Mabel Last Minute, for example, partly to overcome this, Element of redundancy, but also partly to respond to this feedback we're getting that you know people didn't want to live rostered lives. They ne- they needed more spontaneity in their life and needed to be able to do things at a whim. And so that was part of you know delivering uh, that as a solution. So you start to you know get insights from the way your community is engaging with the product. And you know one of the things we see uh, increasingly going forward is. That uh, people are on a journey of discovery, right? Our community is on a journey of discovery about what's possible, uh, what's a life of meaning and purpose for them, or what's a good life for them. And so, you know, one of the things we think about Mabel is how do we help them on that journey of discovery? You know, how do we help them find what's possible in their community to trial things, to experiment with things, and, you know, ultimately help people on that journey of defining what their life's going to be all about?
0: Mm. And uh, and I think, you know, that's as we've been working with you since uh, I think it was 2017, 2018. So we, we've seen some of those participant journeys that have developed into just business as usual. You know, it's life as usual. So it's not an exploration anymore. It's just this is how my life is. And this is the people who support me on that. And uh, it's been, it's been wonderful to see that kind of just become embedded become a natural uh, you know in, in harmony with someone's so as you say they what they had wanted from an ordinary life or a normal life and certainly that uh maybe last minute i mean has been fantastic it's a you know as you say it's, it's it happens to you know anybody in the normal course of things things change or you get an invitation to last minute or you get a you know a cancellation at a restaurant and you want to get a, ta- get a table and those sorts of things that can, happen so yeah no, that's wonderful but uh if I could just ask you maybe just to, to, to remove the Mabel lens and just come out a little bit, just to talk to me about, like, you know, I've always been a huge fan of the NDIS. We, we love what we've seen, the developments we've seen. It's not always perfect, granted. But in terms of the NDIS landscape, but with regards to, you know, obviously you know, the support workers and, and how they benefit, what, what do you see in the next, I know it's a big lens, but three to five years of the NDIS?
1: <laughs> it is a big move. You know, it's, it's obviously a, a major reform that's evolving. It's in motion. And I think, you know, the broad change for me is the move from the enrollment phase of the scheme to really trying to drive outcomes. So to me, it's all about, you know, how does the scheme deliver on the promise for people living a more inclusive life socially and economically? And are we able to drive, you know, those outcomes? And that's what the scheme is intended to do. You know, again. I guess the origin of the scheme is it's it's not a welfare scheme so much as this insurance or investment scheme that we invest in people with a disability, we can reduce, you know, their lifetime dependency and create more economic participation and and that's everyone's, you know, goal. So for us it's about, you know, how do we be involved in that transition to driving outcomes? And so it'll be interesting to see over the next few years about, the you know, I think we've got to see... Uh, increasingly diverse services that come into the sector to help people on that journey. You know, So I still think we're going to see a lot more change. I think that's why we're excited about small business coming into the sector and being much more innovative and responsive to you know, people's needs. But you know, we'll start to see things like people being able to search for services, I think, based around the goals in their life. What are the services available that can help me achieve my particular goals? And how do we connect them with those services? So we certainly see that as a big change going forward. I think really this whole education around attracting people from communities everywhere into the sector, I think that's going to be a, a big part of the scheme going forward. We know that there's still you know, chronic uh, workforce or, or service shortages. That's on top of a lot more home care packages being released, which is going to compound the workforce shortage. So how we actually attract the workforce and the diversity of people and services to the sector I think it's going to be a big challenge again that's why I think uh, Mabel's quite an exciting part of that story
0: yeah and I think for me that's exactly it you know part of the part of the challenge is that there's the perception of the work as being not something that you know everybody wants to do and that and that's the reference to sort of personal care that everyone always makes the reference to you know, that classic sort of cliche of uh, you know that personal care and not being paid enough but I think the Mabel Platform and the the ability, as you say, to have a diverse range of uh, I guess shifts that you are undertaking will mean that there is an opportunity for for that workforce shortage I guess to be a, to be addressed. Or certainly, Mabel would contribute to that in, in my view. But there is still a fundamental shortage. We 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 have a, I'm based in the Highlands, as you know, and it's a, it's chronic here. I can only imagine as you start going more remote, even to where you mentioned your parents were, in, in Wagga. That must be even challenging. I mean we've got Campbelltown forty minutes away. that's just a, you know there's a good large population there, and there's a lot of housing development between here and there. so you know we we we're addressing some of those issues. I'm not sure exactly in Wago if you're ever going to get the population explosion that naturally leads to more people working in the sector.
1: yeah look it's it's not going to happen overnight, right it's it's a, again a journey of the sector developing, I think, and we're putting in as much investment as we can. In communities everywhere, in terms of creating awareness, really trying to—I think it's really important that people see the possibilities differently in terms of support work in the disability sector. That people understand, you know, it's not—it's not just personal care that might have people might have thought about in the past. But you know, what does it take to live independently? What does it take to to find a job? You know, there's there's many skill sets needed here that people everywhere can contribute to. And I think if we make you know, if we give people the opportunity to work, you know, flexibly, to work on their own terms, to be able to earn more, to connect directly with, you know, relationships in their community, we're going to attract a lot more people. And for us, you know, it's still about creating awareness. We're still in the early journey of creating awareness for people that need support and people that want to offer support, that they can do things in very different ways than what's happened uh, historically. And it's, you know, never the case that there should be one model here. It's people are diverse on both sides of the sector. And so, the more diverse models we have, the better. The more we'll sort of provide solutions. The more we'll attract uh, service providers. Mm.
0: Yeah, and uh, and look, I think you know, uh, as I said, you you are definitely uh, a leading light in that respect. You know, the the Mabel platform, and we know of other platforms that have tried to to, I guess, to have their, their take on the innovative approach that uh, that we, we know that uh, the NDIS is encouraging. Uh, look, I, I've also, you know, when I was Googling you to try and uh, introduce you and then just look at some, some of the background, But there are some detractors from the Mabel platform. And I'm, I'm keen to understand, I mean, obviously, we're huge fans. I don't want this just to be a, a, Mabel, uh, a, a, you know, a Mabel-a-thon. you But, you know, there are criticisms out there and detractors. How would you respond to those?
1: Yeah, no, I think when whenever you're doing something new, there'll always be people that are willing to sort of criticise or, or question. And I think we've got to be confident in what we're delivering and being able to sort of, you know, actually clarify or break down what's real about those criticisms and what's not. You know, thankfully, from dealing with our community, we're listening to them and talking to them every day, and we're trying to resolve complaints and incidents. So I think we have a really positive reputation amongst our community. And that's borne out by the growth of the business and ratings and reviews that we're receiving on the service providers or MPS scores or you know the, the trust pilot reviews. I think the model really works and it's delivering good outcomes. But certainly I think, you know, there's some, you know, people that are, are criticizing models like ours and trying to link it to gig economy models, for example, and, and link it to models like Uber and Deliveroo. And we're very clear to say we're nothing like those models. We might be an online platform, but we're not in the middle of people dictating terms or setting rates. You know, we're a very different sort of platform that connects people directly. And it's really about bringing small business into the sector, which I think is fundamentally really important in these workforce shortages. So sometimes I think criticisms in associated areas, you know, uh, can be linked back to us, but it's really just a misunderstanding what the Mabel platform's all about. And from our perspective, you know, our long-term future is about enabling Better outcomes for people that need support, and better outcomes for people that offer support, and that's fundamental to what we're delivering and uh, you know looking to build over the long term.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, I I mean, you know that I'm a huge fan. You know, I I think that um, the way that we came across or came across Mabel that we had five individuals that were trying to get out and were unable to to leave the group home that there is, and we we reached out to the Mabel platform to find. Five unique support workers to support them. That was the original sort of how how I came across Mabel, and I have to say there there was no other innovative approach back then. And and, and since then we've seen that seen the growth of of the platform and, and the growth of your team. And I'm I'm as you know a huge huge fan. And um, Peter, thank you very much for your time. I wish you all the best in the next as I say few years to watch you grow and the platform grow and and your team grow.
1: No, thanks, Max. I've appreciated the opportunity to, uh, you know, know you over many years and and the thinking you have at your end and the the appreciation for innovation. So I look forward to continuing to work on uh, moving, you know, the sector towards the outcomes envisaged by the NDIS at the very beginning. So exciting times ahead.
0: It is. and Thank you very much, Peter Scott, CEO and co-founder of Mabel. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Rock Solo People. For more interviews, stay tuned.